Welcome to this event and thank you for being here. It's a pleasure for us to have such an important guest. And we are very pleased to share with you information on topics that may have an important impact in the lives of professionals in Latin America. Today, we are joined as part of NOVA by Stephanie, who is a 3D digital animation producer. Our guest, Kathleen Ruffalo, who is a recruitment manager at Framestore US. And finally, who speaks to you, Victor. I'll share with you a bit about Kathleen, but we'll certainly hear more as we move forward. Kathleen joined Framestore in 2012 with years of experience in production and has since developed a deep understanding of the VFX industry. She's focused on hiring across all departments, including CG, compositing, immersive and design artists, production and administrative roles across all projects in the US, including advertising and brand content and film. So we are convinced to be joined by a major reference in the industry of the area of hiring of personnel. The topics, the topics we're gonna cover today are the story about Kathleen and Framestore. How can you get to work for Framestore? What income range can be expected as a good professional? And what positions they are looking for right now? So thank you again for being here. Stephanie, you can start. Uh, bueno, muchas gracias a todos los que nos están acompañando aquí hoy cerca de las vísperas navideñas y con mucho entusiasmo por abrir sus mentes y oportunidades para el próximo año 2022 y que sea un año muy próspero para cada uno de nosotros. Entonces, para continuar, siempre los invitamos a todos que participen, que pregunten cualquier cosa que necesiten saber para poder brindarles el mayor apoyo posible durante este evento. Ahora bien, los temas más importantes, como ya habíamos dicho, son el proceso de reclutamiento, rangos salariales, nuevos puestos de trabajo. Pero antes, es muy importante conocer quién es Kathleen y Framestore a nivel mundial. So, Kathleen, as we all can see, the world has dramatically changed during and after COVID. Companies are looking to adapt under new circumstances, and Framestore is considering new forms of hiring that include remote working and the skill levels someone needs in order to work with such companies where the competition is very strong. So please, let's start by unraveling who Kathleen is in her experience as a recruiter in the digital world and who is Framestore as well worldwide. Um, sure. Well, first, thank you so much. I'm incredibly humbled and honored to be invited to speak to all of you today. Um, so I can start a little with my backstory to give you some more context about how I ended up in this position. Uh, so I initially went to college, uh, to art school, actually. I went to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, where I went to study photography and then fell in love with the idea of video art and really focused on doing kind of experimental uh, installation art with video, that kind of thing. Uh, when I graduated from school, I decided I was going to move to Los Angeles. I wasn't going to let anything get in my way. So I saved up some money for about a year and just packed up my suitcase and got on a plane and flew to Los Angeles uh, without any job prospects. 
I had one friend who let me sleep on her couch for a couple of weeks, and then I, I just figured it out while I was there. Uh, it happened to be at one of the worst times in the economy that I, I made this leap of faith. Uh, so it was definitely very challenging initially. Um, I think I was struggling for about nine months before I got my first job and was you know, figuring it out. You know, I nannied, I did all the little things you do to, to make ends meet. Um, but I initially started working in the entertainment industry as a production assistant, mostly on reality television shows. So think um, Dancing with the Stars, uh, Big Brother, uh, Kitchen, what was it? Hell's Kitchen, that was one. Um, so I did a lot of that for quite some time and and did the kind of basic work of taking out the trash, uh, picking up people's lunches, uh, dropping off you know hard drives and scripts at people's homes and offices, things like that. Um, during the course of my work as a, in the entertainment industry, as a production assistant, I ended up working on the television show house, which was the final season of that show. And then through that, I got connected to the people that were opening up Framestore in Los Angeles. So at the time that I applied for the role at Framestore, I was going for an office manager role. Uh, and the office was just getting launched. They'd never had a, a studio in LA before. It's a London-based company, which I'll elaborate on further. But um, the hiring manager for that position didn't think I was quite qualified for the office manager position. So she offered me a production assistant role, uh, which at the time, it was a, a change in my career where I was starting to get opportunities to take on higher level positions. But and this was kind of keeping me in the same role, if you will. But I saw the opportunity of the work at Framestore, the fact that it was just getting started, that I could probably prove myself pretty quickly. So I decided to accept the position. Um, and then I've been there now for nine years. So wow. over the course of these nine years, my, my role has obviously evolved. I'm now the recruitment manager for our U.S. offices. So I've done... A few different things over this time. So spent some time with the scheduling and resource department, which is really about getting to understand the needs of every project, what kind of artists they will require, how you juggle everything within a schedule to make it work efficiently. And throughout that process, I really found what I loved the most was working with the individuals and finding them the roles that really fit with what they were good at and what they enjoyed. So that's kind of how I made the shift mostly into recruitment. I was in the LA facility for about five years before I kind of shifted to having more of a, a US-based position. So I was very LA-centric for the first chunk of my time at Framestore. And, and now, as, as Victor mentioned, I look after all three of our US sites, so hiring for our Chicago and New York facilities as well. Um, so that's kind of where I got to and kind of how I landed here. And that's that's my story. Wow. Beautiful story. I loved it. <laughs> now we would like to hear the story, the story of the, how is life at Springstore? Also, who is Springstore? I think many people yeah. just know this company as well. Yeah. So just to give a real vision of Framestore as a company, they've been around for 35 years. So the company initially launched uh, in London in 1986. 
And in the early days of Framestore, they were doing more kind of broadcast graphics and music videos. Uh, one of the fun things that I learned and was really excited when I found <laughs> out, it shows my age a little bit, but uh, they worked on the music video for AHA Take On Me, which was oh, incredibly I... groundbreaking at the time. So that's <laughs> where Framestore started and has since grown to multiple studios around the world. In 1994 was when Framestore really started to get involved in feature films. Um, throughout that time, they were very much in, you know, advertising and, and music videos when that was a little bit more prevalent um, as it's evolved over the years. Um, and now we do everything. You know, we are in episodic. We work in immersive spaces. So kind of real time experiences, VR, AR. It's really been important, I think, for Framestore to push position itself to not just be a visual effects studio. We are creative collaborators. We are part of this process of bringing an idea to life. And we are a part of the technology behind that as well, because so much of that is being developed internally. So in our U.S. offices were mostly focused on the advertising side of the business. So this this reel that we're going to play is going to show off all of our incredible film work, which is really inspiring and exciting. Um, and most of that's happening outside of the U.S. So film is between London, Montreal, and our Mumbai locations. And then here in the States, we deal much more with our advertising commercial content. Um, but it's still a very connected global company. So those tools, those assets, uh, that knowledge that our film team is getting while they're working on these incredible projects is still shareable and accessible to those of us working in advertising. And the biggest difference between the two is film just has more time and money at the end of the day to, of to make these incredible right. images. And what we're often tasked with in advertising is to try to replicate this on a much shorter schedule with far less time and resources as far and money, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of how we've evolved, you know, life at Framestore, I think is incredibly motivated by the artists and the creative first, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it's obviously a business. We're here to, to make money and to, to make sure that that all kind of right. moves forward and is successful. But I've always felt that Framestore's approach to how they take on projects and the kinds of projects that they go for is really about offering artists an opportunity to explore and, and play. And that, I think, is something that's made Framestore quite unique and special, is that they really do value the human beings that are making these visuals. You know, it's mm -hmm. about making sure that they're getting the opportunities that they want uh, that they're being able to explore new technology and really innovate while they're still being creative and not sacrificing their artistic vision. Um, so that's that's amazing. I mean, the the reality of the visual effects industry and the entertainment industry as a whole is that it can be pretty harsh, the hours, the demands. And I often tell people you have to love it to really be able mm -hmm. to do it because it takes a lot. and. Uh, you'll only get out what you put in at the end of the day. So it's one of those things where the opportunities won't just be handed to you. You know, you will have to work really hard to prove yourself, to especially get to the caliber of work that we are doing at Framestore. You know, it's it's the upper echelon as far as I'm concerned. We, we do the best and we 
go for the most talented artists that we can possibly hire to be a part of our team. So, you know, with that, they're all working very hard to make this happen. So, you know, that's, that's part of life too. But, um, you know, overall, I think it's got a pretty strong community culture within the company. I, I'm not a fan of calling things a family because your family is your family, your work is your work, but but it is very like everyone does really get along. We do try to hire people that we know can work well together because none of these things you're seeing on the screen can be done by one person. So you're always working with others. So it's really important to have us bring up together a team that can work well together. Um, so that's kind of my view of life at Framestore, more or less. And what is your, I would like to also ask, as a recruiter at Framestore, what, what did you like about your job in like hiring these young artists? What did you love about it? Yeah, I mean, I think creative recruiting felt right to me because I started as a aspiring artist. You know, oh, I wanted to be the person that was making the imagery, even though I wasn't into visual effects per se when I thought of myself as an artist, but that being closely connected to the creative was something that was very important to me. And I know I can't do this work. I, I see what our <laughs> artists are capable of and I recognize that that's just not what I was meant to be, but I respect it and I admire it. So that's what makes my job so fun is that I get to be a, a fan of these people that I'm also giving jobs to, you know, and helping connect them to an opportunity that they've really been excited about and helping them achieve these goals. And, you know, the part that's even better about, you know, hiring someone is that I try not to let the relationship end there. Although as a recruiter, that is kind of where it stops. It's the career progression and being a part of that process with the people that we hire that is probably the other aspect of my role that makes it so rewarding and mm -hmm. makes it easy for me to get out of bed every day and um, want to sign in and you know start emailing everybody like I do all day <laughs> um, but yeah that's that's probably what brought it together I don't know if I would have the same passion or excitement if I was recruiting for more you know technical roles or perhaps purely like finance admin roles even though I do a little bit of that most of what I get to hire for are the artists, and that's probably where I get the most excited. Um, I'm also most excited about the junior artists because that's where you get to find the the hidden talent and the, the gems oh, that wow, have that yeah. potential that just need that nurturing. And that's probably the best part of my job is when I get to be a part of those roles. We have uh, Abigail, Nicolas Trujillo Llano, and he's saying, I feel like, I feel like sometimes I don't get the job because for companies, it's easier to hire someone that's already working and has the permit to work in that country. I feel companies prefer to hire someone who's not as good, but at least is le less troublesome for hiring. Also, I feel that the getting hired abroad, I have to be in a senior position. How is this new remote working changes are going to take care of this? Because uh, there's a lot of companies that hire remotely, but only if you work in that country, which is crazy. I don't know if that, that's... That's a very fair question. And <laughs> I very much understand your frustration and don't blame you for feeling that way. So, you know, the reality is 
There are restrictions that we have to follow when it comes to our hiring practices that keep us, you know, in line with whatever our local governments countrywide might require. So there are labor laws. Um, part of the challenge with visas, as I'm sure many of you will understand uh, if you've been exploring opportunities outside of your, your home country, is that they take a lot of time and effort to organize part of what visas are intended to prove is that the company needs to say to the government that we have not been able to hire anyone that's a citizen of our country to do this role. So this is why we're going outside of our country and we have this candidate. So they want a lot of proof for why that's the case. So that is a lot of man hours, if you will, on the part of the company and the individual that we're hiring to produce this evidence that they are you know, an exceptional talent, and that's what can allow for this visa to be approved. In the United States, we've obviously had some um, administrations that have been less um, inclined to promoting the idea of immigration and visa support. Things are shifting. It's something that we're always kind of responding to. In general, Framestore and, and many visual effects companies on, on top of that, I think are very open-minded to supporting and sponsoring visas, but it is an added challenge. So you do kind of run into that situation where if there is two quality candidates, one that does not require a visa and one that does, more often than not, they're gonna go with the one that does not. That's just a reality that as much as it can be heartbreaking because you can't give these opportunities to really talented individuals, it's just too complicated. And there's a very strong likelihood that the visa would be denied. And that's not even out of the lack of effort from the company's part. Uh, it's just the way that the governments will, will review the petition. So, you know, as remote work is becoming more flexible, there are a lot of options, but again, there are restrictions to those options. So I think there's a lot more flexibility to allow for people to be based in other countries. There are kind of work agreements that we can use that help us uh, sort out payroll and, and payment in a way that doesn't complicate any issues with any immigration you know, uh, services or, or agencies, if you will. Um, so I, I do think things are evolving. I, I don't want to mislead or kind of give too much hope about this idea. It's still going to be challenging, but you know I do think there are a lot of new avenues that are evolving that make it easier for us to consider candidates that are outside of the, the country that we're potentially hiring within. One of the realities also about the entertainment industries is that often there are tax incentives. This is the business side of what we do, which uh, unfortunately, there's always gonna be a business side to art. So there are you know, certain governments that offer additional tax breaks to studios um, to guarantee that a certain amount of work happens within that location. So for example, film and television are often tied to said tax breaks or tax incentives to a location. Many of them are in Canada. There are some in New York. There's some in, in Georgia and in these different kind of states and cities in the United States. So that dictates where that work needs to happen. Part of that purpose is to ensure that 
there are new jobs in those locations. So what the motivation behind the state government saying we'll offer this tax incentive to a studio to bring their work to our, our city is that that means that people will have jobs in their city and those people will spend in their city. And, you know, the money's kind of being generated back in that way. So with those, that means that we need to hire individuals to be based in those locations. And they usually need to physically be working in those locations as well. Uh, so that, again, can add additional layers of complication when we're looking at candidates that might be, you know, international and, and not local to those sites. Same same situation within the United States as well between different states is something that will come across also. So, you know, I, I think it does definitely help to be a senior within that because the junior candidates will have a harder time having enough evidence to show that they're so as qualified for the position that, you know, a native is not as qualified for. So that's why it does tend to lean towards senior candidates getting those visa sponsorships because uh, they'll usually have um, publications or awards or film credits to their to their name that are going to be very enticing to a government agency to say, okay, yeah, I know they worked on that movie. That means that they're really good. Sure, we'll allow this visa to come through. Um, whereas if most of your experience is stuff that you did in school or personal projects, it's going to be a little bit harder for them to approve. So, you know, there's optimism, I would say there's still a reality, you know, to some of those hurdles that we'll have to overcome. But I, I do see a shift in the flexibility. So I wouldn't be completely discouraged by how things go, but you do need to have a realistic expectation, I think, as well, because the visa process, even incredibly qualified candidates get declined. So, you know, sometimes it's just it just doesn't work out, <laughs> unfortunately. Kathleen, uh, there are all the questions that you might imagine. We have yeah. 120 attendees. <laughs> so we are we are receiving. I'll try to talk faster. So the thing is, um, I would like to tell everybody, and I will repeat this in Spanish if, if, if it's necessary, but I would like to, to tell everybody, this is not going to be the last time we're going to be talking about these issues. And this is not going to be only a, a one-time presentation regarding what do you need in order to make a portfolio, uh, to increase your skills, to develop your skills, to develop your, your soft skills, as we're going to speak later. Um, so just hang on there, hang in there. Uh, we're going to get there somehow. Uh, but we have other questions, although uh, there is a, there is there are other topics we need to cover. So um <laughs> I think there is one last that I would like to to share with you uh, that is I think is is relevant for what we are saying. Uh, and he says, "My name is Felipe. I'm an animation student from Costa Rica. I would like to ask Kathleen if she could give us some tips in order to create a good portfolio or demo reel. Like, ask the recruitment manager what does she think in something that really makes them consider a candidate over some other candidate. Thank you." That's a great question. And, you know, your reel is your first impression to any recruiter, right? So it's very important to kind of put your best foot forward. It's going to vary slightly depending on the studio that you're applying for, or the types of visual effects or animation work you might want to do. If you're thinking about Framestore specifically, we're 
always usually attracted to photo real kind of realistic imagery as opposed to highly stylized imagery. So the ideal is to showcase examples of that kind of aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. I prefer a short reel over a long reel. So I would much rather you show me two, three shots of your very best work than show me 15 shots of things that you're kind of so-so on. So <laughs> be critical of your own own work yourself and put your very best shot first because uh, put in mind that these recruiters are often reviewing a hundred applications. So that's a hundred demo reels that they're going through. Uh, So they might not give you the time to get through the full two minutes of your demo reel if the first shot's pretty weak and they're not excited by it. So think in that way, as far as how you put your reel together, I'm always um, advocating for a focus on showcasing the foundational principles and understanding of the discipline that you're interested in. So if you're a compositor, you want to make sure that you're showing that you understand those kind of base foundations of what compositing means. So good cleanup shots, some roto, you know, show me a green screen. Um, then maybe you can worry about showing me some major massive environment that you built, especially at a, an early stage of your career as a student, you know, worry about that kind of later, I think. Like, I'd love to just understand that if I hired you to help do some paint and roto, that you'd be able to get it done because you understand how it works and the tool that we're working within. I, on a CG reel or on any reel, honestly, I love having um, what we call like a lower thirds. So at the bottom of your reel, you explain what you're responsible for. I think this gets even more important once you start working in larger studios, since so many people will touch the same shot, that it can be quite misleading to a recruiter if they don't know what you're responsible for on that shot. So, you know, if it's a big sequence where, you know, there's an explosion and there's a CG spaceship and uh, also like some dust particles that were added in in the foreground and all you did was the dust particles and you don't like admit that in your lower thirds and kind of put that up front that's going to be a little bit deceiving you might get the interview because the recruiter thought you did the giant spaceship or the big explosion um, but it's going to come out eventually that you didn't do that and it's only going to hurt you down the line so highly recommend making sure you put that at the bottom because it really helps and especially if you were responsible for everything in the shot it's great to just have a line that says responsible for everything. Um, and I think that comes a little bit more imperative as a, a CG artist more than anything, because there'll often be a lot of things going on in a, in a sequence or in a shot, excuse me, um, that it's helpful to know if you just did the modeling or you just did the animation, that kind of thing. Um, so those things are like my, my top requests for reels. You know, I think it's important to put your best foot forward, like I was saying, and keep your reel edited down. You can always have your website or another kind of platform where perhaps you've got some work in progress that maybe if that's something you wanna show once you get the interview, you can bring that up on a screen, Um, but don't feel like you just need to add everything in so that it fills up time. You know, I'd much rather something short and sweet at the end of the day. Hopefully that was- That's a great explanation, everybody. So. Be concise and try to show everything you did and give your best shot. Great. Um, Kathleen, in Latin America, there is a lot of talent. As, as you know, we're talking about 700, 710 million people. So 
different backgrounds, different different uh, ways to see the world, and that might be an advantage for a company like Framestore. So there is a lot of talent, but there is also a tendency to be geni- very generalist because opportunities are scarce, and in most cases, you just take what available jobs are. Uh, so that prevents someone from standing out in something specific. Uh, in that order of ideas, it's very important for everybody here to understand what are the artistic skills you'll be looking for in the coming months and what are the essential soft skills required in any candidate to be able to adapt to frame store. Uh, that's another great question. Um, uh, so uh, generalists are still something that Framestore and again, visual effects companies in general are very open to, especially on the advertising side of mm-hmm. the, the work. Since the projects come in so quickly, it actually ends up being helpful to have people that can maybe jump between a few different disciplines so that it can get done more quickly. Um, but generally speaking, you know, the, the critical skill sets that I'd say I'm seeing right now Compositing is in very high demand. So anyone that's a compositor in Nuke could probably get a job real quickly because there's so much need for those positions um, at Framestore and everywhere. Um, Within CG, I've noticed a a higher uh, demand for animation and for lighting lately. And that's that's for us at Framestore as well. Um, You know, we're always always interested in meeting people that do any kind of task within the visual effects pipeline. But those I know are, we're feeling a little bit more pressure on needing to find some people within the next couple of months. Um, Lighting, just to elaborate slightly, is that we're working primarily in Houdini within the integrated advertising pipeline. So what was traditionally Maya for us is now being done mostly in Houdini. So learning Houdini, I highly recommend. It will never hurt you to have that software in your kind of toolkit, if you will. Um, we're still pretty reliant on Maya at Framestore, but I'd say Houdini is a very close second. We render with Arnold within the integrated advertising division as well. So highly recommend having an understanding of that. Renderers are not a deal breaker, I would say. We usually feel that we can help train people if they've never had exposure and you know, a lot of it's similar, just different buttons or interfaces. Um, but that's, that is what we use. So that's, you know, again, not going to hurt you to have a, a strong understanding. The other area that you're seeing a lot of demand is really in the, the virtual production space, you know, across a lot of different studios are looking for artists that have a strong understanding of Unreal Engine. Um, for mm-hmm, us, that's yeah. what we would call more of a tech artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are going to work more on immersive experiences here in the U.S. I'd say most of our virtual production opportunities are in London and, you know, in our film sector more than in the IA group. Uh, but that's growing, evolving, you know, it's always changing. But right now, if we're just talking in the immediate months, um, you know, having an understanding of, of Unreal, I think, again, is never going to hurt you. Um, and just to answer that question, animation in Houdini, I'd say is a little less. Um, we do some procedural animation. We'll do things like some of our crowd work in Houdini. Um, but I'd say the the primary tool is still Maya for, for animation and rigging specifically as well. Like we'll do some modeling in Houdini, but that's going to be more procedural modeling. Um, so any kind of asset for 
kind of like hard surface. Most of that's still done through Maya. We'll use things like ZBrush for more character or creature based work. Um, but yeah, those are all uh, super important skill sets to have. <laughs> and then the soft skills, that was the second yeah, part the of the question. <laughs> um, so the soft skills, communication, I would say is number one. And I think you'll hear that repeated a million times if you ask any recruiter. Because uh, as I mentioned earlier on, you know, it's never a solo project. So you're always going to have to tell someone where you're at, how things are going, you know, what's an update, you're talking to your producers, you're talking to your, your leads, you're talking to your other artists that are working on the shot. So being a clear communicator is really important. Understanding urgency and kind of picking up on, on deadlines is super important. Uh, being well organized, I think is also incredibly essential in this area because you're working with really large pipelines and, you know, being able to follow a naming structure, paying attention to that, keeping track of your shots, understanding what versions, what, all of those things are super critical across pretty much every discipline. Even when you're in a non-artist role, being organized and a good communicator is essential. Uh, the other part I would say is, you know, having a good attitude and, you know, just don't be a jerk, I think is the simplest way to say it, is that we are all in this together. It's a collaborative team effort to get these projects across the line. So the last thing you need is someone that's going to be grumpy and, you know, frustrated and just bring everybody down. You know, there are those moments where you're frustrated. You might not agree with a client's note or even your supervisor's note. And you think what you did the first round was better, you got to roll with it <laughs> at a certain point. You just got to roll with it and, you know, address the note and, and move on. Uh, you know, I think it's a, a part of a challenge that I don't think I was ever able to do as an artist is understand that, you know, your work is probably going to be dissected and, you know, they're not going to like what you do. And, and that can be hard not to take personal, but you do have to grow that thick skin and be able to understand that it isn't about you. It's just about what the client might want to see, what their vision may be, the director's looking for this and, you know, just pick up and, and work on it and improve, you know, that's, it's part of growth, I think, and important to kind of be prepared for, cause it's, it's not a industry or a position for the, for the sensitive in that regard, you know, you have to be able to to be able to work with whatever comments you get and, and just see it as an opportunity to do something better. Um, so those are, I would say, are the primary soft skills I would encourage people to focus on. And how do you, how do you I mean, how do you evaluate if someone has them? Ugh, that is the hardest part, isn't it? Because those <laughs> things are very hard to fully suss out of in an interview. You might ask these questions, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to know. You don't really know until someone starts working with you. Obviously, you ask for references and you talk to people that may have worked with them before to, to find out if they may have had any of these issues or, or struggle with that. But, um, you know, I think in an interview, you know, being able to provide anecdotes of experiences that you've had in previous positions that might highlight a moment where your organizational skills really helped you get out of a, a sticky situation or, you know, explaining kind of how you deal with producers and how you communicate with your team. That's the best way that we can kind of get it out of a candidate to understand how they, how they communicate and how they, how they work well with others. 
I think the other thing that I've always been drawn to, especially for those kind of just entering coming out of school is showing that you do group projects because that's going to show that you've worked with others. So if you present a reel where you're doing everything by yourself, it puts up a slight little like yellow flag, not a red flag, but a, a yellow one of like, perhaps this person doesn't work well with others if they've never collaborated with anybody. And, you know, they've never had anyone say like, oh, can you fix that rig? I don't like it. Or mm -hmm. can you fix this like movement for the animation, whatever it might be. So I encourage people to, to collaborate with their peers and, you know, friends or whatever, because it's, it's really does showcase how it's going to be like in a real production environment, you know, and if, if you don't work well with others, again, it's going to be a, a tough road in this industry because right. it's, it's always going to be with other people. Yeah, of course. I would like to ask, like to answer a few questions from the participants. There are a lot, but I will try to choose like the most important ones, I think, or well, at least the, the most easier ones or faster ones. Um, yeah, I'll try example. to be more concise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, don't worry. <laughs> okay, we have Francisco Bilbao. As a starting writer and filmmaker coming from Chile to the US, what will be the best practices or things to do to get my foot on the door of the film industry here in the US? Um, I mean, networking is super helpful. Being a part of presentations like this, where you might have a, a more direct connection now with a recruiter is great. I highly recommend LinkedIn as an excellent resource for kind of understanding um, and connecting with people and seeing about job opportunities. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it is getting to have a, a slightly more personal connection with the people that actually work at the companies that you might be interested in. Um, I think having an open mind to opportunities that might not be exactly the position that you might be aiming for, and perhaps there's other roles that might just get you an opportunity working with that company, working in the industry, you know, that will help you build your network is also something I would strongly encourage as well. Um, you know, that's probably my immediate yeah, short yeah. answer. <laughs> Stephanie, Daniela, Daniela is, is asking something that I think is very relevant to what we are doing at NOVA. And I, I would like to share that question. Okay. Everybody says, my question here in Chile is from Daniela Ramirez Uveda. My question here in Chile is very expensive to get a specialty or a degree. Sometimes people leave the country to obtain this knowledge. Does Framestore make any courses, classes, masters, so we can be can apply? Um, I'll leave that to you, Kathleen, but um, I, I just want to share with Daniela, NOVA is promoting the, the, uh, the acquisition of that knowledge through certifications, let's say, in uh, digital animation, mm -hmm. uh, texturing, um, and, Unreal. and Unreal Engine with teachers um, of Spain. So you're going to be learning in Spanish. Right. So you can get in touch with Stephanie and she can send you information. But I'll, I'll give it to you now, Kathleen. Yeah, we we don't have specific um, courses that are kind of set up in that same way that it sounds like, you know, you might be asking for. But I will I'm going to try to send this in the chat, this link to our <laughs> F Education website, which has some great resources. Um, that are both, you know, frame store resources as well as just links to other uh, sites around the internet that are kind of tutorials. And, and hopefully that works with everyone. If it doesn't, just we'll 
I'll figure out a way to share this information <laughs> another time. But, um, you know, we have some reels on there that kind of showcase some of the more junior position um, reels that we've liked and kind of what those examples might be. Um, yeah, the link isn't working. Fine. Okay. I don't know why it won't well, work. Someone but... tried the link and it's not working. Basically. Yeah, and that's what he yeah. said. All right. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> best intentions. Um, so I'll find out why our website doesn't work. But that being said, uh, shorter answer to the question to be more succinct. We don't offer those specifically, but there are plenty of resources around the, the web that kind of help with tutorials that you can take. Um, we do partner, I'll try another link here actually, with an organization called Access VFX that yeah. I would highly recommend everyone looking into. Uh, hopefully that link works. <laughs> um, but Access VFX is a conglomerate of, of multiple uh, studios. So not just Framestore, but Framestore is definitely a, a big sponsor and supporter of it. But they have a mentorship program that's all online and it's open to people around the world where you can then connect with an industry professional. It's a very casual mentorship. So it's really, again, as much as you put in is as much as you'll probably get out. But you can connect with someone that's working in the industry, ask for feedback. They might help you with networking, you know, get insight into their career success and their tips and tricks. So highly recommend looking into what Access VFX has. And again, there's some supporting links beyond that. But, um, you know, I do appreciate that the education and coursework is expensive. It's not a cheap industry to get into. You know, you need at very least to have access to really expensive software licenses. So that's part of what we're trying to help promote with Access VFX as well is hopefully opening up some opportunities to gain access to these things so people can learn and explore. But, you know, if you have that limitation, I'd encourage looking into Blender. It's 100% free to work within and you'll learn the basics within that. And there's going to be tons of tutorials, you know, YouTube, all of that, that you can do for free to kind of get your head around how it works. And a lot of those skills you can translate into Maya if you only can get access to Blender. Right. Sebastian Sanabria says, is there going to be a place to share our portfolios with you? Would you be able to provide feedback from the portfolios? I think that's something we've been talking to Kathleen uh, because there are some ideas uh, that maybe if we land, there's going to be a chance to do that. But I'll, I'll leave that to you too, uh, Kathleen. I would love to watch everybody's reel and give everybody personalized feedback, but I, I do get a lot of um, applications and emails and messages uh, that we have to go through that process. So I will be honest, I only have so much time, but as, as Victor mentioned, uh, we're interested in perhaps setting up a special event where we can. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no. <laughs> I will allow, I just will allow Matias Martinez. I think he would like to talk. Matias? I don't know if he would like to talk. Uh, Matias? Hello? Uh, don't worry, you can he's, talk. Come on. He's mute. He's mute. Ask him to unmute. Ask to unmute. Uh, Matias, there. Hello. Hello, hi, Matias. <laughs> hi. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I just wanted to write a question. I'm so sorry. I, I'm a fool. Um, well, I, I just wanted to ask, like, when you when you made your portfolio, or when you made your video portfolio, um, do you do you normally like 
write your name in it and do you link like your Instagram and, and LinkedIn in it or is it too unprofessional to show like your Instagram place or something like that? That's my question. I'm yeah, sorry. No, very good question. Um, within your reel, I would recommend having your name kind of at the beginning. You don't need to linger on it too long, you know, a second or two with your email address or you don't even have to put your email address. Just make sure that where you apply your email address can be found if you don't want that to just be everywhere. The Instagram, I would say only if your Instagram is a professional Instagram, like don't link your Instagram account if it's pictures of your cat, as much as I love pictures of cats, <laughs> I would say don't do that. You know, if you have a personal account and then perhaps something that's showcasing more of your artwork, I would, you know, definitely encourage you to make sure that anyone can follow more of your work as much as possible. So, you know, putting an Instagram handle is totally appropriate, but, um, you know, that, that I would say, keep it only if it's got professional artwork on it. Okay. Thanks you. Thank, Thank you, you Matthias. Thank you. Uh, also one more question so we can continue. We have a lot of questions. Okay. Let me see. <laughs> um, I think I saw, okay, here from Gabby Curry. What are the possibilities of ever landing an entry-level position as a CG generalist in Framestore if I live in Mexico? It's my dream job. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know without <laughs> seeing your work. It's not impossible. So we do luckily have the TN visa as an option for more entry-level positions to have kind of a, a way to sponsor people that are from you know, Mexico, Canada, uh, that is to your benefit of uh, being from Mexico. So, you know, the chances are, you know, uh, again, I'm going to say what I've said is that it gets hard only when we have multiple candidates that are of equal standing. If they're already in the U.S., it's an easier transition that's likely going to happen. And you know, it breaks my heart sometimes, but it's just the way that it works because it'll be a more seamless, you know, uh, timeline, right? If someone's already physically in Los Angeles or already physically in New York, that's going to be a lot easier for us to do, even though, again, we're all working remotely and that's been much more flexible, but there's there's the the payroll part of it that gets a bit more complicated that we have to be mindful of. So that being said, I'd say, you know, you still have a chance. And especially if you're incredibly passionate about your work and that you work really hard at putting together a well-presented portfolio, you know, you take the opportunity to network with those that are from the companies that you want to work with. You apply, you present yourself in a way that says, I'm, you know, excited for this opportunity. I can move, blah, 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 all those good things. Um, I think there's, there's a chance. Um, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of it does come down to the portfolio. So that speaks a lot to what we're looking at. And really the first thing that I consider when reviewing a candidate. Um, so that would be my, my basic answer to that. <laughs> I can know. Only tough answer. questions. Only <laughs> tough questions. <laughs> we have only two people that would like to, I will allow them to talk to Marcelo and to Brian. First, Marcelo. Marcelo, hello. Please unmute yourself, Marcelo. Hi. There you go. Hi, uh, Anthony. Hi. Hi. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Victor. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you, Kathleen. That's my pleasure. My, pleasure. <laughs> um, my question is about what is the possibility 
uh, uh, to work online, of course. Uh, um, I know this is totally different that if you work physically on on the on the office, but I have been working on online for about I think twelve years, something like that. And uh, actually, I'm working for a, an American company on making titles on and process on in After Effects and and, and, and other programs. Um, uh, yes, and uh, is there some kind of possibility, or I mean, form or online form to apply or uh, uh, show the my portfolio? So uh, I can send another link in the chat. So our careers website is the absolute best place to keep track of all of our latest open positions. So we do have a few that are kind of always open freelance roles that are for yeah. CG artists, for compositors, et cetera, so that we can kind of keep track of anyone that might be open to just short-term project-based bookings across the sites. I don't have one actively open right now for design, which sounds like a little bit more of what you're doing. But if you submit an, an application and get your profile in there, and then just like message me on LinkedIn or something. I can yeah. make sure I get you tagged in the right places so that we can keep in touch about about future opportunities. That that will be uh, wonderful. That will be wonderful. I have I have sent you a, a link to the site I'm working with. Uh, all uh, what is published there, uh, I made it. Okay. Thank you so much, Marcelo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now we have um, Brian. Brian. Uh, hello, you can hear me? Yes. Yes, Brian, we can hear you. Uh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, pondering about, uh, like, uh, I send a lot of reels for uh, positions, something like that here in Mexico, on the USA, Canada. But I want to know if it's some way to know if you don't get the position because it's more easy to get other because the is in the state in the place or is because you really lack the talent for that uh, position because a lot of uh, companies uh, don't ask where um i understand uh, your question brian <laughs> um so are you asking um, maybe rephrase for me slightly. What what are you kind of getting well, after? Well, I was asking if not to get the answer from the company, that's uh, understandable, but uh, like get a review from some way, some from... Oh, so you're asking about getting feedback on yeah. yes. why your application was rejected. Oh, that is a tough one. And I know... Or that... maybe asking to someone like uh, like this event but uh, for review of uh, reels. Yeah. So, you know, that that access VFX link that I sent, I think is honestly a really good way to potentially get some feedback from an industry professional by going through that mentorship option. Um, I, I can say that from my point of view, as I've kind of tried to mention, we get hundreds of applications. So sometimes as much as I would love to give detailed commentary back to everyone as to what they should work on. There are not enough hours in the day for me to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, 
sometimes I don't even really, like I might put a candidate forward to our hiring managers and think that there's potential, but they'll reject it and they don't give me a reason and they don't have enough hours in the day to explain to me why they didn't like that person. So sometimes that can be a bit tricky. Um, you know, I think there are, you know, hopefully we can set up more opportunities to have a bit more of a kind of real review program type of thing where we can give a bit more feedback. We tried to do that at Framestore for a while during the pandemic, but then everyone's just gotten too busy to really be able to commit to those types of hours. Um, But, you know, it is something that I think is incredibly valuable and something that we all wish that we could do more. uh, But there is. And and also, and also an idea that we have discussed before and, and having more people with the knowledge of reviewing portfolios and understanding what production really needs, uh, giving you a hand on that. That's something that maybe, Brian, we can be looking at in the coming months uh, with these new ideas that uh, Nova and Store uh, are going to be talking about. Okay, that sounds really nice. Okay, thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Okay, we will thank you very continue. Much. With the okay, we have a lot of people who would like to, but I think yeah. we will continue. I think there will be questions that will be answered in the presentation, so we yes. will continue. Yes. Okay, perfect. So stick with us because now we are going to talk about salaries and positions, guys. So here we are. One of the well, one of the strongest expectations of someone who aims to work with companies outside of the local environment is to find opportunities that help them generate a better income. We all want that. So could you please, uh, Kathleen, please tell us about the salary ranges at different levels of professional entry in organizations similar to Framestore? Absolutely. I think within the visual effects industry and, and animation and, and games, all of the above, there's incredible earning potential. There are very high demand roles. And I think even the starting salaries are are relatively reasonable across the board. You know, I'd say at minimum, you're looking at probably our, the lowest entry level position you would get would be about $16 an hour. And that's going to be the most, and I'm sorry, I'm speaking in USD, but hopefully that makes (laughs) sense to everybody. Um, But that's about the lowest, I would say that you'd really have an entry level position within the company. And honestly, if I had it my way, we would all make lots more money, but you know, it's, it is what it is. And then within that, you know, that's kind of looking at someone that might be doing more of a, you know, support position. So not a specialized skill set like an artist. When you get into artist ranges, I would say that you're looking at an entry level salary. If we're talking in annual salary terms of usually around $50,000 per year, maybe, maybe 48 as the lowest, just depending on what city you're living in. And then, you know, as you work your way up through the industry, you can earn well over six figures and, you know, a hundred thousand plus without, you know, going on for too long. Um, There's a lot of potential for growth. You know, I don't, I'm personally of the opinion that it's not necessarily years of experience that equate a higher wage. It's about the output of the individual and what their performance is. So we really try to evaluate people based on those criterias. Um, you know, so you're you're looking at being able to easily earn, you know, in the range of $75,000 a year, you know, as you kind of progress through your career. And that's kind of a nice, you know, mid-level range, I would say that an average artist could make. I'd 
say in most cases, I've noticed that people experience significant salary increases within the first five-ish years of their career. So you might start at something a bit lower, but if you do perform well, you'll be likely to see kind of significant, you know, 10 to 15% raises, if not even more, uh, depending, you know, how you perform within those first five years. Uh, And, you know, again, depending on the type of role that you aim for, you know, as a visual effects supervisor, creative director, I mean, they can earn very, very comfortable wages and uh, they work very, very hard and have had to (laughs) prove themselves in order to earn those wages. Um, But there's definitely that kind of growth potential within this industry. And I personally feel like these these roles are only going to grow in their demand as more content is being consumed by all of us. Um, That's why we're seeing such a significant uptick in opportunities is that there's so much more television content. There's so many new services and people just are consuming media in a new way that wasn't the same of just going to a movie theater or just watching what was on cable or broadcast network television. So, you know, I think the roles will continue to evolve I think new positions will open up when you get more into technology. And and with that, you know, there's going to be new opportunities to kind of establish what, what those pay ranges should be. But it's, I think it's a very, you know, underappreciated industry for great earnings. It's a part of the entertainment industry that I definitely didn't feel aware of when I was kind of entering into the world of, of work, if you will, or like, adult work. Um, and I, I always kind of just thought of filmmaking as the actual production side, but there's this whole other aspect to it that have incredibly talented and specialized skill sets that, that deserve to be paid for, for what they contribute because it's not Mm -hmm. the same without them. So, um, that's a general insight into salaries. (laughs) Oh, that's a big insight. That's, that's pretty impressive compared to, to what the reality of the dynamics in the economy of Latin America exists uh, uh, nowadays. Uh, Stefan, I think you have a lot of uh, raised hands and we have more than two dozens of <laughs> questions. Um, I just want to I, ask I just, one, one more thing to Casey that I think many people is asking, was asking me before this event. They really want to know, for like for example, which positions are available for next year that you are urgently to hire at this moment? I think they really want to know. Yeah, so I am very actively hiring for compositors in specifically in New York to work on some projects there. Um, those that position, I am relying a little bit more heavily on people to be local to New York because of tax incentives, as I mentioned. But um, compositors is a pretty high demand role. Uh, lighting, as I mentioned, I've got some openings both for kind of junior mid-level as well as senior level. Uh, we're also looking at a entry-level design position, but that mm-hmm. role also they would like the person to be based in Chicago, uh, so would be expecting a relocation there. Um, I'm also pretty actively looking at some production opportunities, so people that might be interested in becoming a producer. So we've got those roles also wouldn't be fully remote though. So something to keep in mind, you'd eventually have to relocate. Uh, Those are based in New York. I've got one in Los Angeles as well, both as kind of a production coordinator to associate producer to senior producer role. Um, So a lot, I've got a pipeline TD role in Chicago as well. So (laughs) 
there's there's a lot of positions that we're actively hiring for um, for next and, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would start early next year, ideally. Um, starting to meet people now, but assuming they'll start in like January. Uh, and then we're even looking at some potential episodic work again in New York that would kick off probably more like spring. Um, so starting to make plans for that, but pretty similar positions, compositing, lighting, that kind of thing. Oh, we have to, so we need, need to hurry up. We're applying, applying, applying now. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah we have. So that we can a lot of for Kathleen. Also. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, uh, Stephanie. Before we we move on, um, I think it's very important for everybody to um, to understand that uh, there are challenges for mm-hmm. uh, everybody in Latin America compared to someone that is already living in cities like London, like Mumbai, like like Los Angeles or New York. We at Nova believe strongly believe that there is a, a huge potential in Latin America. And this, this connection with Framestore, with Kathleen, has the aim of trying to answer those key questions and has the aim to find the ways to overcome the, those challenges in the coming future. So I would like to invite everybody to be in contact with NOVA uh, for future events and for future projects in order to um, get get a hold of those positions or opportunities in different different companies, right, and in different places around the world. Um, so uh, I think Stephanie, uh, we 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 have uh, the second most important topic. Um, why don't we move move on with the next? Okay, perfect. Uh, just one question in regards to this uh, space of the salaries and positions. Um, do you have also Latin American people already working in a frame store? Yes, yes, we do. Guys, uh, they have Latin American <laughs> people. Uh, I probably should have pulled those numbers before we had this, but I don't know exactly the proportions, but we do have quite a few. And we do sponsor visas from all over. You know, we've got people from Mexico, Venezuela, uh, Spain. Uh, we've got some people from Turkey. So, you know, all over the world that will, you know, help, help them come to the U.S., you know, so we're definitely a very international company. <laughs> Beautiful. Amazing. Okay. Now, yeah, we can continue with the, with the other slide. Okay. There. Okay. Okay. Um, Kathleen, while we, we met you and we are honored to have you as a as a friend and as a contact uh, from this side of the world. You mentioned there are success stories in your company, uh, people that really made it happen. Um, can you share with us one of those great stories? Um, sure, Ooh, which one to pick? I mean, I without <laughs> saying any individual, I guess I'll, I'll speak a bit more broadly, but I've, I've been very fortunate to be with the Los Angeles office since it launched, right? So I've had a nine years with the company. And, and during those nine years, I've been lucky enough to see some incredible career growth within, you know, the people that I hired as runners, uh, which is like the most entry-level position that you can have um, that are now associate producers uh, with the company or even moving on to being producers themselves. Uh, we've had a runner that advanced to being a flame artist and has since gone on to, 
sit in with clients and, and be able to kind of, you know, handle those tough situations on their own. Um, we've had people progress from, I'm trying to think of who else would be a good example. And I think people discover what it is that they love as well, which is kind of exciting. So we've had plenty of interns go on to become, you know, comp supervisors, even that kind of thing. Um, and they, they grow with the company and we've got a long trajectory and long history, I guess is a better word, a long history of really supporting that growth from within. I consider myself one of those people. Mm -hmm. Like I started out as a receptionist production assistant and now right, I'm a yeah. manager and Good. it's been incredible to have that kind of career opportunity and see, a. Uh, a career that I didn't even know that I wanted that I feel quite at home in. So that's been um, amazing, honestly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of examples. Um, our internship program has been quite incredible for that. And, you know, that's something that we're hoping to continue to expand out further. We've had to take a, a slight pause with our internship program over the last couple of years due to, you know, everything going on in the world. But um, that's probably one of my most, um, I guess I'm proudest of what comes out of that internship program because of the growth that you see. And, and even if individuals don't stay at Framestore, you see them, you know, earn or gain this knowledge and experience that they then take on and go other places. Cause as much as I want everyone to stay at Framestore forever, I also acknowledge the fact that, you know, they might need to spread their wings and, and see what else is out there. Um, so it's just incredible to see how much growth someone can have in such a short period of time, because it's, it's an intense company to be a part of the, the standards are very high expectations are high, um, right. but people rise to that occasion and they they end up being incredibly successful. So lots, lots of examples. <laughs> okay. I think I will allow some people yeah, to, sure. to, Maybe uh, Dilsia. Dilsia. we would like to hear. Uh, uh, okay. Dilsia. There,ask,show,me,okay.Hello,Dilcia.Hola,si,me,escucha?Yes.Eh,no,sé,si,puede,traducir,porque,mi,inglés,no,me,acuerdo.Gracias.Eh,quería,preguntar,que,por,ejem
Um, those I would say are the key ones. So Maya, number one, is probably the best one, especially if you want to be a CG artist. Um, and then Houdini, close second for that. And new. Okay, great. Again. Uh, something that I will, I will answer, Dilcia and everybody, and I'm, I'm going to try to do it in, in, in Spanish. <laughs> uh, uh, and I'll make the translation later. Uh, Dilcia, eh, esto que te está diciendo Kathleen es, es importante. Te está hablando sobre los software que realmente están dando las habilidades que en el caso de Framestore ella está tratando de localizar. Ella necesita esas habilidades. En, en, en el mundo existe una forma de poderse educar eh, a través de Zoom. Tú puedes educarte en línea a costos bajísimos y con certificados que se encuentran amarrados con tecnología de blockchain. Y tú te comunicas con Stephanie a correo de contact arroba novacompany.com. Ella te puede mandar opciones de certificación internacional que se encuentran avalados por centros de entrenamiento mundialmente reconocidos, eh, que son sumamente accesibles para Latinoamérica en términos de costos y que te van a dar los conocimientos de texturizado de animación digital, eh, y si quieres avanzar hacia otras cosas, o si quieres tener tutores especiales para que te desarrolles en ciertas habilidades, entonces lo puedes lograr. Lo que te quiero decir con esto es de que eh, si estás en contacto con Stephanie, vas a poder ver un mundo de posibilidades que te pueden ayudar. Um, así es que okay. te, te deseamos la mejor de los éxitos. Gracias. Muchas gracias, Tilcia. Muchas gracias. No sé si me pueden ver su correo ahí. Al, sí, al claro. Claro que sí. Thank you. Okay, uh, now we have uh, Alvaro Obregón. Okay, ask to unmute. Alvaro, hi. Hey there, uh, are you listening? Yes. Yes, yeah. clear. Hey, pleased to meet you and thank you, first of all. Um, every, every, every information here is being very helpful. But um, sorry to be back, but uh, just wondering about portfolios is when you are looking for somebody to fill a position related with augmented reality or virtual reality, are you all also looking for a video reel or some sometimes uh, a portfolio site like our station is good? Um, I mean, okay. always the best option is the video reel. Not necessarily. Um, our art station can be perfectly functional and showcase examples of work just as well, especially I'd say with some of those VR and AR type projects, because you might not have like a moving image, maybe depending on what you're responsible for yeah. within them. Um, you know, that I think we're depending on the role that you're applying for as like a tech artist, I assume, um, you know, showing some examples of work or, if there are links to the final presentation of the project. So if we can see what the AR experience was or any documentation of that experience is usually helpful to have. So you might be able to use something like ArtStation to showcase that. You might post your own you know, website or blog to kind of showcase that. That's fully acceptable. Um, I'd say the, the demo reel is more catered towards visual effects animation artist, I'd say more than anything to kind of actually cut it down and present it in that format. Um, but not opposed to people putting together something that's just like a highlight of projects, as long as it's clear again, to understand what you're responsible for within whatever you're showing. Okay, that's perfect. Thank you. 
Thank okay. you for your question. Uh, now we have, oh, okay. Um, okay, uh, okay, there. Uh, Brian, there. Hello, Brian. Uh, hello, hello. Okay, there. Hello. I was uh, uh, other question about the the position, something like that. It's uh, you told about the lightning section. On I was to asking if is uh, wanted to know Unreal Engine, so lightning. The the lighting position does not require knowing Unreal. Uh, that's a, that's for a different role. The the unreal position would be called a technical artist role. Uh, it will not hurt you to know unreal for the lighting position by any sense, but the the lighting role is for you know pre-rendered um, content. Okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Now we have also Felipe. Felipe, hello to talk. Hi. Uh, do you listen to me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, first of all, very pleased to meet you, Kathleen, and you guys from Nuova. Like, I'm really thankful for this opportunity. Um, and I would like to ask about the internship you were talking about, Kathleen, uh -huh. because that's something I'm really interested in. Because most companies are like, well, you need to have experience to work with us, and 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 we we would like to know more about the internship. Yep. So our internship program is offered in the U.S. across all three locations. Um, historically, it has been very much in person, and we do hope to kind of return to more of an in-person setup, um, you know, whatever pandemic pending. Um, but it is geared towards those that have a pretty strong foundation in whatever discipline they're interested in. So it's not necessarily like a training opportunity. So you would be expected to come in knowing the basics of Maya or Houdini or, you know, showcasing a portfolio that you've done some of this work either through a course program or that you've studied on your own. Um, so it's it still requires some experience, but we're not necessarily looking for professional experience. So we're not expecting that you've already worked at another studio before or something along those lines. But we would expect that you've got some comprehension of the, the workflow and the, the discipline that you're expressing an interest in. So it still requires presenting a portfolio of work, kind of showing where your skill level is at. Because uh, we really do gear the internship at being the launch pad, as it's called, for moving into a staff position or, you know, a junior CG or junior artist role uh, shortly thereafter. It's um, going to be reformatted in the new year, I believe. We're still haven't formally announced it, but it would likely begin accepting applications in February of 2022 with the intention of having the intern start in June of 2022. Um, so that's rough timeline. Uh, we'll definitely make big announcements all over LinkedIn. So, you know, connect with me, follow me, whatever, and I'll, I'll make sure that you know <laughs> when to apply. Um, but, you know, that's, that's roughly what our expectations are. I will be honest, it's a competitive internship, um, you know, and it's, it's not going to be, uh, because I guess I'll say it's very small. 
we only take, you know, maybe 12 interns total across the United States and all of the departments. Um, so, you know, three in CG, three in, in compositing, three in design or things like that. Um, so it's, it's a tiny group, but in that sense, it's an incredible experience because you're getting so much one-on-one -on -one mentorship from the team. You're getting exposed to the projects that we're actually working on. You know, you'll, your shots will end up in final projects, you know, on commercials or on a, a TV show. Um, so in that sense, you're really having more of a work experience than just like a, a training experience. But the idea being that will support you much more closely than we would if you just joined as a, a junior artist, if you will, or as a freelancer kind of deal, um, because you'll be with us for an extended period of time, learning our workflow, being able to tap into different skill sets that you might want to explore further. So say you join as a lighter, but you're really interested in effects. We'll, we'll kind of work with you to, to get experience in that area. Um, so it's, it's an amazing program. And like I said, it produces people that stay with the company or go on to become supervisors, you know, within, you know, a short period of time. So it's quite incredible. Um, but you know, there is a bit of an expectation. I know someone in the chat asked about having a degree, uh, which for international candidates, yes, you actually have to, because that's part of a requirement for getting a visa. Um, so I would encourage you getting some kind of formalized degree to Education, potentially yes. want to come a certification would, would make it happen, Kathleen, a certification? I, I do believe most of the visas that we are able to consider require at least a bachelor's degree. More So certifications are probably not enough to physically be able to legally work in the United States for the, the visas that we can apply. And someone was asking about the TN visa. Um, so some of the technology aspects are what we're kind of able to work our way into being able to be eligible to apply for them because you're right animation is not technically listed um, but because the work that we do kind of lives in that tech world we can kind of sneak our way in so that's how we've been able to make that happen. Kathleen what's your take on the future of those internships do you think that remote working might add an advantage or or a way to overcome those challenges of the visa permit and all that? Potentially, you know, I think there's a lot of excitement and interest in diversifying our talent pool within Framestore. And I think to achieve that, we have to start thinking a little bit outside of the box. Yes. Um, you know, there's still a lot that has to be discussed and approved and, you know, everyone needs to feel comfortable with this idea. But I, I do feel strongly that there's some, some shifts in approach happening and there are a lot more open minds to how we can perhaps take these outside routes to potentially tap into talent that we've not been able to bring in previously due to some of these restrictions. The challenge with, you know, junior positions and being remote is that there's so much that you gain from being in a space together of just being able to look over at a screen and ask a question to a person sitting right next to you. And although we found a lot of ways to overcome those limitations in this remote world, there's still there's still some limitations and you're kind of lacking in that. So it's going to take quite a bit of effort on, on both the company's part, as well as the 
the interns or the, the artist part to try to break down those barriers so that it is still a worthwhile experience and you are learning as much, even if you are remote. Um, and that's been part of what has been hard for us to replicate and why we've kind of had to pause the internship for these last couple of years. Um, but again, you know, technology is improving. We've got better video communication mm -hmm. platforms than we did two years ago. So I think as that continues to evolve, as the industry continues to adapt to remote requests, you know, people like this, I love it and hate it. I think, um, you know, people enjoy being able to have that flexibility. So I think with that, we'll continue to figure out ways to adapt and, and, you know, we'll expand our options further um, because some of the location barriers have been very limiting, you know, for all industries, but in visual effects in particular. So I'm, I'm optimistic, you know, I don't want to get <laughs> ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm optimistic and, and oh, hoping okay. I can be a part of what helps make that shift a reality. Great. Okay. Great. Thank you, Felipe. Now we have Aldana. The last one to speak. Hello, nice to meet you all. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I have two questions. Uh, first one, uh, uh, you said that uh, in the industry, uh, uh, you use a substance painter, uh, but I wanted to know if I thought that uh, in the film industry, there was more common to use Mari uh, compared to Substance Painter. And the other question is uh, with Unreal Engine. I'm learning Unreal Engine. And uh, you said that, that with technical artists, uh, you ask for Unreal Engine knowledge, but uh, it's a program that is uh, expanding in the uh, film industry or uh, it's very young yet, and for example, uh, with the VR or uh, AR uh, technology, uh, Framestore is uh, doing some work with those areas, in those areas. Yes, so your first question, Substance Painter is definitely used on the advertising side of our workflow. So that's what we're using for a lot of uh, texturing and look development. Um, Houdini is the other one that we're still using for look development and lighting. Maya is still very much there. So don't, don't give up on Maya. Maya is still very much a part of our workflow, but um, Substance Painter has kind of become a bit more of that process, um, but still Maya is, is a part of it. And then regarding Unreal, it's definitely becoming part of the full kind of film visual effects workflow. I, I'd say that's still, as you mentioned, quite early days for that. So we're looking at hiring people to be more a part of what is called our frame store production services. So that's um, pre-production, virtual production, post-viz, tech-viz side of things where, where that Unreal experience will be very beneficial to kind of what you might consider more of the visual effects workflow as opposed to the immersive experiences. Most of those job opportunities are currently for Framestore based in London. So that's kind of a little bit harder to make that leap 
um, as far as the the job opportunities are concerned. And we're definitely looking for people to be local for those positions. I don't think they've got a lot of flexibility for fully remote roles within that team at the moment. I, you know, who's to say what our requirements will be in a, a year or two, but as of now, that's the the focus. Um, so still very much utilized in, in the visual effects workflow, still very new, but something that, you know, everyone's exploring and considering what advantages uh, utilizing Unreal will bring to how we work. Um, so, you know, used in both areas, I guess, here in the US, I'd say most of my positions that I'm trying to hire for that are focused in Unreal would be more on the immersive side of the, the spectrum than for more traditional visual effects work. Perfect, thank you. Thank you. Welcome, and yes, Nael. Hello, everybody. Hello, oh. people, Stephanie and Kelly. Hi. Hi, Jeff. Uh, well, this is a question for both uh, for Nova and for Kathleen. Uh, Kathleen, uh, is it possible that you in the future uh, will take or you look around for Nova for the first, I don't know, if Nova make a challenge and say, it, they, uh, Nova says, okay, this is our, our best students for this challenge. Uh, so, do you think, or is it possible that you will take a look around for these kind of, uh, I don't know, challengers or people that are uh, trying to improve itself on this uh, medium? I, I do think so. I think I'm understanding the question properly. Um, but yes, I think our our hope in kind of starting this relationship is that we might be able to work together to help bring forward candidates that are, you know, taking this coursework with Novu and kind of building up their portfolios and that they might potentially be able to feed into opportunities that we have at Framestore uh, across the company. Company. So I'm optimistic. It's still very early days of us kind of looking into what our options might be. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot that has to be considered about how we structure our teams, you know, what our hiring managers and um, I mean, our supervisors really at the end of the day beyond just I call them hiring managers because that's how I work with them. But our supervisors of the show, what they're comfortable with. Um, I think we've got a lot of open minds. And as I was kind of saying, there's there's a real desire to diversify and to see how we can tap into the talent that's all over the world that we haven't necessarily been able to bring into our, our workflows previously. So I'm I'm again, I'm optimistic that it's something that we'll be able to consider. Um, there's obviously a lot of components, as I've said, uh, that go into how we can hire some of the legality of it all and stuff that we'll still have to look into. But um, that's that's the big goal, I think, is to be able to have that type of collaboration where we can say, help me find these people who from your program have exhibited these skill sets and we can hopefully bring them onto Framestore. Of course. Could it couldn't be answered better? I think uh, Jeff Nael, what 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 she's trying to say, and she said it well, is that there is a huge opportunity for um, companies like Framestore 
And just look at, we have 85 people who has been 1.5 hours listening to people. <laughs> so there's a lot of talent, but although there are a lot of challenges, visa, permits, language, soft skills. Language, yeah. There is a lot of a lot of challenges. And I think if when we, because I think we're gonna make it happen, and this is to to us too, uh, we're gonna make it happen somehow. And if other companies, uh, not just Nova, but other companies can replicate this in Latin America, there can be a huge advantages for everybody. So just keep keep connected, keep connected this one. Okay, now, um, well, we can answer one few questions and there's a lot of questions. I don't know which one would you like to answer, Casey, like the ones, um, well, we have two hands raised. Let me just give them aloud to talk. Isabel, Isabel. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. yes okay. All right. Um, I'm still a little bit confused on the internship topic. Okay. Um, I, I didn't really understand if for the next application period, like you said, it was in July, I think. Uh, so um, I'll start accepting applications in February with the oh, okay. program starting in July. So actually you'd begin working. I'm sorry. No, I said July because you said July. <laughs> June. 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 So starting okay. in June. But the applications are in February. Yeah, because the intention is to allow people to have time to put together a portfolio as well as for us to give them information about being offered the opportunity. And then if they need to relocate, they can hopefully do that okay. all within that time. But frame. like, can you, can you take the internship if you are not based in the U S like you're not living there? Can you take it like from your home country? That's something that I'll have to double check. You know, it's, it's something that I'm hoping will be open to, but it'll ultimately come down to our supervisors and how they feel. And uh, also would just need to double check about some of the legal pay you know, all of that stuff that I've mentioned that are challenges. Okay. Um, you also said like, it was like a really exclusive thing, like just like three students or something like that for, um, well, I mean, <laughs> I was just wondering, is this the same case for like people that want to apply to positions in the UK? Like, I, for example, I'm interested more in the UK part. Like I was like kind of thinking that I really wanted to, maybe move to the UK. Sure. So I was wondering, um, is this the same case for people that want to go to the UK? Like, is it still this exclusive or it's this just like in the US? Um, their programs are a little larger and they, they run them a little bit differently because it's film uh, more so, uh, but they do tend to take on a bigger group because it's a bigger studio. So part of the reason why we keep it so small is that our studios are smaller here in the U.S. So we don't have as many people that can mentor uh, the interns. But I, I don't know what their numbers will be for next year. Uh, um, I apologize for not having that. But um, I think they typically take maybe 20 in the, the internship programs in London. Um, but they do structure them a little bit differently. They're, I think, a little bit shorter um, and, you know, kind of are a little bit more broken down to very specific, uh, skill sets. Um, but if you follow the careers website, you know, all of the information about our launch tap, sorry, our launch pad programs are on there. Um, I will say though, that the challenge of 
being that remote is probably something that would be difficult in the UK. So I don't know how open they're going to be to having someone that's, you know, in Latin America, I don't know what country you're in, but, you know, having someone (laughs) that far away, you know, so that's just something to, to be honest and, and realistic with you about. So, you know, not that I want to discourage you from pursuing <laughs> opportunities, but it, it will be a bigger challenge to allow for that fully remote for them, I think. Okay. Um, just a, a little extra question. Hopefully this one's fast. Um, I, I was just wondering if the internships, like, did they have like rigging options in the internship? Yeah. Yeah. We're always open to riggers. Um, I'm hiring a rigger right now for as well so I love meeting people that are interested in rigging there you go yeah there you go Isabel thank you thank you so much I'm really grateful for this opportunity guys thank you thank you oh you're welcome okay now Luis hello hi hi Hi, Luis thank you for putting this together uh this is a great great event and a great initiative and uh, we're very grateful for your work. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if it is uh, a possibility maybe, since it is difficult to relocate and get visas and all this, and, and I'm wondering if maybe there is a, a possibility to maybe for Framestore to outsource some uh, some, work in the beginning of the pipeline, like uh, roto prep, rotomation, all these things that could be maybe done locally and that could maybe start a local uh, VFX industry in Latin America. Yeah, I mean, I I can tell you that Framestore does work with a lot of outsourced companies. Um, I don't know if they're going to like build their own, if you will, like we're not going to necessarily get established in that. But if there was a company that's kind of established that has that set up, you know, has the resources and has the connection to easily communicate and go back and forth with us, um, I don't see why we wouldn't uh, be open to working in that way. I mean, we collaborate with people all over the world that have um, kind of set up their own like outsource companies. Um, as you mentioned, it's usually stuff at the beginning of the pipeline. So the roto, some match move tracking, things like that, that we'll send out to other studios to to support us on. Um, so yes, I, I definitely think there's the option. I, I think we would just need to communicate, discuss rates, all of that good businessy <laughs> stuff. But that's definitely a way that we have work. We work currently, I guess I should say. Wonderful. Great. Looking forward to the future of those possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, Thank you, for you the question. Uh, Mariel? Before, before, oh, before I'm you, sorry. Before you give uh, the chance to Mariel, I think you were thinking. Um, just just look at this in a different perspective. NOVA has a joint venture with uh, uh, educational and training centers in Europe. And Framestore is, has a plan for, I don't know how many years, maybe 10, maybe five, maybe three. Years. They, they have the, their own plans, they, their own strategic plans. So if Framestore requires to, to build the knowledge and the skills of teams for the next two, three, four years, and we can teach the, 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 the appropriate candidates the knowledge and 
help them develop the skills that Framestore will need in the coming years, it makes a lot of sense. And as, as, as Kathleen just mentioned, uh, there's a lot to talk for the future, but everybody needs to work and think and feel outside the box if we mm -hmm. want to be alive in next years because technology is fast. I mean, this is oh, a yeah. very fast industry. Of course. Okay, now, Mariel, you can now unmute. Hola, buenas noches. Hola, Hola buenas Mariel. noches. Este, bueno, yo tenía una duda de si hay problema con la cuestión del inglés, mi nivel de inglés que tenga para la cuestión del reclutamiento. I think, Kathleen, you, you heard it and you understood that, right? I think she's just asking to not speak in English, which is yeah. really fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where to go? How challenging would be for someone that doesn't have the, the language. Yeah, please, it's fine. I'm very impressed by everyone's English thus far. No one <laughs> should feel bad about any of it. <laughs> yeah, Mariel is, uh, is asking if, um, is, if knowing, speaking, and understanding and writing, of course, English would be a, a problem. Fair, fair. Um, I mean, obviously, the majority of our teams are going to be speaking English and communicating in English in the United States. So it will be necessary to at least have a... a conversational understanding as well as well as you can communicate with any job um, and you know I, we do have resources available for supporting English as a second language within Framestore that we try to offer those classes and um, connections we also have our studio in Montreal where it's required to know French as well so we have to oh great yeah um, so we have to support uh, training our employees in French uh, also. So, you know, that is is definitely a benefit to at least have a good grasp of the English language. Um, we also have a lot of Spanish speakers that work in the United States as well. So, you know, you wouldn't be completely isolated, but typically our clients, our producers and things of that nature are mostly going to be communicating in English. So you would need to at least feel somewhat comfortable with the language, but we don't have like a a test that we would make you take or anything. Okay, so I have like two questions I want to make um, as fast as I can. Um, the first is uh, being more like um, specific on an area of a job. You were talking before that you always need a rigor. What about animators? Uh, yeah, I, we are often hiring animators. Um, a little less frequently in the US, but I just have been asked to kind of look into more animators, but we've had a huge requirement in our film division lately for animators. I think we were hiring close to a hundred or something. It was ridiculous. So definitely a, a great skill set to have. So animators are really required like in a tons of like they 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 are they, uh, they, they are they really required you mean I mean Yes, like high demand a, for animators, a lot yes. of animators, okay. Uh, my second question is, I just um, graduated, graduated from here in Chile. Um, mm -hmm. So my, my portfolio, my, um, I, I, don't have, I don't have much experience. Okay. I was wondering, you say that LinkedIn is a really good place to look for a work. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm currently working on a little small foundations. We work with a real engine and we do like um, virtual sets and stuff like that. Um, but it's really small. It's like we, we're really unknown. So I was wondering, like, maybe if I, I'm looking for a job outside and someone sees my LinkedIn profile and sees like, oh, I don't know this company. I don't know who this guy is. This guy may be lying about that. Does that stuff happens? Um, I mean, I can only speak for myself, <laughs> honestly. Uh I don't, I personally, if the work looks interesting and, you know, I'm impressed by the way they've presented their experience. And especially if it's somebody that's coming right out of college or university, I'm, I'm not going to be too worried about the, the small company that might be unknown. I might just assume it's maybe, it is maybe just a very small company. That's just a few people or even their own production company that they might've established uh, to me, depending again on the position, it is more about the work and the presentation of the work that's going to draw me in to at least have the conversation where then you could explain to me the company that you're working for, the kind of work that you're doing, how it's all set up. So the presentation of the work's the most important. You know, with with the students, the the university that they went to is obviously something I would look into. If I looked at that university and was like, that's not a real university, then I might not talk to that person. But if they're obviously coming from an accredited university, that gives me confidence that they have at least educated, you know, and (laughs) have studied some of the work. So, um, you know, right out of college, I don't expect personally, I don't expect them to have all this professional experience because that would be weird um so you know i wouldn't be discouraged by that okay thanks you a lot and thanks you a lot for this opportunity to talk with uh, you guys you have literally told me a lot <laughs> oh you're welcome Matthias. of Thank course you. and dilcia hello ¿Cómo son los portafolios? Ya sé que hablaron de esto, pero me gustaría saber cómo son o si tiene ejemplos de ellos. Dilcia would like to know if there is a way to get a hold of a portfolio so that she can just look at it and understand how, how to build one. Um, so, unfortunately, I can't share portfolios that are not mine. Um, but let me see if I can pull up. Um, So there's a website called The Rookies, which is also a really good resource to get to know more about the visual effects industry and kind of opportunities. Um, I just put it into the chat window. They'll have some great examples of of student showreels that have been selected by people and kind of highlighted the best of the best, just to give you an idea of what kind of level studios like Framestore, ILM, Weta, the big ones are all kind of looking for. So go explore that website that also has some, you know, uh, training programs. They explain a little bit about different jobs, um, but that could be a good place to kind of look at some other students or kind of entry level reels. Other than that, you know, you could do what a recruiter does as well and just search Vimeo for demo reel and you'll just see lots of people's demo reels. Um, and that's kind of a good way to get a sense or, or visit other uh, 
universities that have visual effects programs because they'll often highlight some student reels on their websites uh, as a good way to kind of see examples of how other people format their demo reels. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Thank and, you, Dilcia. And, and Dilcia also, and I'm going to say this in Spanish, and The Rookies es una empresa que también tiene competencias. Eh, da la casualidad que la, la relación comercial que NOVA tiene con una institución en Europa, sus estudiantes participan en, en The Rookies y el último, la última competencia, el quinto mejor del mundo, eh, estudió en el centro de entrenamiento con el cual nosotros tenemos esta relación. Entonces, si entras a esa dirección electrónica, seguro vas a poder encontrar eh, a la gente de Boutique de New School, con, con la cual nosotros estamos entrenando gente en Latinoamérica. Thank you, Kathleen. It was a pleasure speaking with you about these important topics that many professionals and students need to hear in order to redesign their pathway of what kind of artists they really want to become. Um, también quiero agradecer a todos ustedes por formar parte de este evento y esperamos que les haya servido muchísimo en compartir con Kathleen y con Nova en temas relevantes que muchos de ustedes, tanto estudiantes como profesionales de la industria de América Latina, desean tener presentes. Kathleen, we would like to hear your final words to our audience, please. Oh, I mean, I'm just incredibly honored to have been asked to speak to you. And thank you all for, for listening to me talk for so long. Um, you know, I obviously am incredibly passionate about the visual effects industry and am so excited that there's a strong interest in opportunities within this field. And I'm very excited to see what the future brings for how we're able to continue to diversify this industry and bring in new perspectives and points of view, um, because that's something that I'm incredibly passionate about. And I was just going to put my LinkedIn oh, yeah. uh, on the chat so that if you want to connect, you're very welcome to uh, find me there, stay in touch. And thank you again for this amazing opportunity to speak with so many people from all over. It's <laughs> what, a, what an honor. Thank you again. <laughs> 